This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. It had been a long time for the people of Israel. They had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Just a few verses before our Old Testament lesson begins, Miriam, the sister of Moses, dies. And then Aaron, the brother of Moses, the high priest, he dies also. Those two weren't the only ones that had perished. So had almost everyone that had seen the exodus, the plagues in Egypt, the drowning of Pharaoh's host in the Red Sea. Most had died. If you went on vacation with your family this summer, driving across the country, Think about 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years, that's longer than I've been alive. Not longer than Pastor Poppy's been alive. These people felt like their entire lives were passing by and they weren't getting anywhere. Would they really get to the promised land? Would they see a place flowing with milk and honey? They were beginning to doubt. They were afraid it was all a sham. They thought maybe God wasn't keeping the promises that he had made. And in these doubts, they become bitter and cruel, and they begin to complain against God and against Moses. We have written down for us what they said. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? And then they went on and complained about the gifts God had given them. This miserable food, this water. We want something more. They complained and they grumbled. And with those complaints and grumblings, they were confessing their lack of faith in God's promises. Now, it wasn't that God had abandoned them. He hadn't. He was still there leading them in the wilderness. There was still manna out in the fields every morning. All they had to do was gather it. The quail still flew into their camp, ready to be caught and eaten by the people. Water still flowed from the rock that followed them around in the wilderness. Their clothes had not worn out. Their shoes had not got holes in them. God was providing for all of their physical needs in this world. He'd even given them a pastor, Moses, who had preached to them regularly the entire time they were out wandering in the wilderness. But the message that Moses preached 
about a promised land flowing with milk and honey never seemed to come true. It never came about. The things that Moses talked about always seemed to be in the future, never in the here and now. So the people complained. They whined. They talked about God at the water cooler. They made comments about how badly things were going as they sat in the pews before church. They called Moses' office and told whoever answered the phone their complaints, whether they were true or not. They told their friends that Moses didn't know what he was talking about, that the words of a promised land were foolishness, nonsense, a waste of time. They unashamedly wanted everyone to know what a moron Moses was. Chief among their complaints, according to Moses, who heard all the complaining, was this. We are going to die in this wilderness. We're going to perish here. They didn't want to die in the wilderness like Aaron just had, like Miriam just had, like their parents had. They didn't want to die in the wilderness and have their graves unequally marked, forgotten. They didn't want their lives to be meaninglessly over. They did not want to die. And this too, this confession that they don't want to die also was a confession of their faith. Grumbling about that, confessed that they didn't trust God's word and promise to them. Their whining confessed that they thought they could do better all on their own. That they didn't need a servant of God appointed to serve them. With their grousing, they were confessing that they could save their own lives better than God, who was still sustaining them by the way. We can't blame those Israelites, can we? Because we often confess the very same way. But God is a jealous God. He doesn't compete with sinners. He uses the law to drive sinners to repentance. And that's just what he will do for the people of Israel out in the wilderness. He sends fiery serpents into their midst. Fiery serpents 
with teeth that bit the people. And if someone got bit by one of these fiery serpents, they got sick. They suffered. They died. 100% of the people bitten by the serpents in the beginning died. The very thing that they were so afraid of happening, dying in the wilderness, was happening because of their lack of faith in God. Because they forgot that God was actually the one who led them out of slavery, who was caring for them, who was providing for them. The death that they feared came slithering into their camp because of their unrepentant sin. They did not want to die. But some of them did. There was no medical procedure that could save them. There was no safe place to hide, nowhere to run, no way to avoid the deadly reality that those fiery serpents brought into their midst. And as they watched people get bit and suffer and die, they learned the truth that they were sinners and that sinners die. As they thought about that reality, that they were sinners and that all sinners die, they began to understand. And they began to repent. They went to Moses and begged Moses to intercede on their behalf before God. The very one that they were complaining about, they asked to go and talk to the other one they were complaining about. They said, Moses, go talk to God. Ask him to have mercy upon us. Ask him to save us. Ask him to take away these fiery serpents, this suffering, this death. In essence, they're asking for their sin to be atoned for. They're acknowledging that they are sinners, that all sinners die, and that for sinners, their only hope is God. God always has mercy. He always gives mercy to his people through means. And the same is true here. God gives his servant Moses, their pastor, a word attached to a physical object to save them from the bites of the fiery serpents. What object? A pole 
just like this, with a bronze serpent hung on the pole. The word, if anyone is bitten, let them look to this pole with a bronze serpent, and they shall live. God tells this to Moses. Moses builds the bronze serpent, hangs it on the pole, and then he preaches the word God gave to him. If you get bit by a serpent, look at this pole and you will live. Imagine if that was the sermon I preached. Look at this pole, isn't it neat? Some people heard the sermon of Moses, but they didn't believe. Some people heard the sermon of Moses and they thought he was crazy. Some were probably even angry. That sounds foolish. What a moron. If a doctor can't save me from serpent bites, how could a metal snake hanging on a pole? And they continued their confession of denying God's word. Here's the hard truth about the people who did not listen to Moses' sermon, who did not trust God's means for saving them, the serpent on the pole. Those who didn't believe that perished. All of them. Forever. Maybe not right away. Maybe not even from serpent bites. But they perished all the same because they didn't believe God's word. They perished in a hellacious way. Moses preached it all the same. If you're bit by a serpent, look at the pole with a bronze serpent hanging on it and you will live. Some believed. And even though they were bitten by a serpent, if they looked at the serpent, what Moses and God said came true. They lived. If they trusted God's word, they would have salvation. God would save them. And here's the truth about those people who heard the word and believed it. They had salvation, even when they died later on. Yet would they live forever. For they believed what God said. And God's mercy upon them was more than just saving them from snakes biting their ankles. God's mercy upon them would save them from all of their sin. You see, their faith wasn't really in the pole with a bronze serpent on it. Their faith was in the God who told them that was their salvation. Their faith was in the word that was preached to them. 
They had not only the beginning of repentance, acknowledging their sin in complaining and grumbling, they also had faith in God's word of forgiveness, a word that comes by the work of the Holy Spirit, a word fulfilled not in a serpent, but in Jesus. Dear Christian, your life is really not any different than those Israelites' life, is it? We wander for decades through this desert of sin. God gives his gifts to us all the same, but our sinful natures are not often satisfied. And so we grumble against God, and sometimes against the people God has given to us. We whine and we complain. We call the church office when we don't like what's being done. We give a poor review on Yelp when things aren't the way that we want them. We threaten to go to a different church, to withhold offering, even mistreat the people in our own families. With these actions, we confess our own sin. God knows about our sin. He sees our lack of faith and our struggles to trust his word. And he sends fiery serpents among us, spiritual ones that bring suffering, struggle, death itself. Doctors can't always help. Politicians can't always help. And all of us who sin will one day die. Maybe soon, maybe later, but in these struggles, sufferings, and sometimes facing death itself, God calls all of us to repent, to acknowledge our powerlessness so that we might trust in God's mercy. God's mercy is shown to you not on a bronze serpent hanging from a pole, but instead it is shown to you by God himself, who took on human flesh to hang not on a pole but on a cross, from whose hands and feet and side blood pours out, whose life is given on our behalf. 
That's our Savior. That's God's mercy for us. Jesus Christ crucified and risen for the sins of the world, for your sin and for mine. Don't say, that's foolish. That's moronic. That's nonsense. That can't save you. If you do, you one day will perish. Not just temporally with death at the end of your life, but eternally. Apart from God in hell. Calling the message of the cross foolishness leads to eternal perishing in hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Instead, believe God's word as God sends it to you, preaches it to your own ears, calling you to repent, calling you to beg for mercy, calling for you to look to Jesus. You see, the cross on which Christ hangs is the glory of God. It is God's glory because it is the way that he saves you from your sin, from death, and from the fiery bites of the devil. The cross is how rescue comes to you so that even if you die, yet shall you live. Even as you wander this desert, sinful world for 40 years or more, the cross of Jesus is what promises and delivers to you eternal life. The cross is where the blood was shed from Jesus' body to cover your sins. The cross displays the food of heaven that you get to eat. The cross of Christ has crushed the fiery serpent's head. The cross of Jesus is your life. And it comes to you in water, in bread and wine, and in the word of God that fills your hearts and your ears. God saves you from all sin through the cross of Jesus. God grants you life through the cross of Jesus. And when your life is over, God will bring you into the true promised land by the cross of Jesus. Not all believe, not all trust. Paul says the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, to us fellow Christians,
The word of the cross is our salvation. Do not put your trust in anything other than Jesus. Look for no other aid than Jesus. Put not your trust in yourself, in your own actions or your own deeds. Trust in Jesus. Hear his word. Let your eyes be fixed on the cross. For Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, won your salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, by God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.